Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sim Sundays podcast. I'm joined by George Morgan and Random Cool Sign as ever. And this week there is only one news story to discuss, and it is Potatona. Yes, and rain. <laughs> and, 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 and rain. And Potatona. But, but, I mean, how are you pronouncing that? Where are you putting the inflection? Because I, I, I uh, accidentally called it uh, Potatona. At one no, point, which sounds a bit strange. Tona. Pote no na. Pote no, tona, na. yeah. Pote tona. Uh, so, for those who uh, don't know, Lawrence de Souza has organised one of the kind of the, the most wholesome feeling community-led charity-supporting endurance mm-hmm. races on iRacing. I think that's probably a fair summary uh, of the event and all of the brands that know Lawrence, which is most of the brands that we care about have totally dived in to support this and i think their prize pool uh as in value of prizes uh is up to like fifty thousand euros now i wouldn't be surprised if it gets fifty thousand. you know we've still got uh just under a month until it until it goes but everyone has got behind this there's 50 teams racing um you've got a team i've got a random team. cool sign grid finder we've got a team racing george morgan have you got a team I have it, but uh, no doubt I'll probably be a spectator to whatever's going on. So join uh, our team. Uh, join our team. So so far Ricardo we have a team might have already name signed on the me. list. <laughs> no, no, I haven't. Oh, I haven't. I haven't. This is the I'm ultimate just, silly season. I'm just there yeah, for the who beer. Who can literally. snap up George Morgan? <laughs> <laughs> I'll open some uh, uh, cans of uh, Guinness after my stint. That'll work. So if you haven't heard of the uh, the Potatona event by Lawrence de Souza and the Potato Nation, uh, yeah. make sure you go and check that out. It's whether you're an iRacer or not, you should definitely watch it because Lawrence is incredible. Uh, his community is absolutely amazing. They they always turn up en masse to the Sim Racing Expo and, and do crazy, crazy events. They're always wearing T-shirts of him. They're, they're, they're basically, Lawrence is kind of like a demigod in that Discord, and there are just endless gifs, memes, videos of Lawrence. But anyway, so you need to get involved uh, in that race, uh, either by donating and or watching. So that's that's our top. We'll say that's our top line news story for this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I think iRacing is doing an update or something. Yeah, I, I've heard that. that that's him. I, I don't know iRacing. A subtle update. Yeah, it's. Something about it's very subtle. Wet it flew under the radar. Yes. <laughs> yeah, very, very yeah, much yeah. under the radar. Okay, come <laughs> on, give us the. We 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 have alluded to this before, like quite a lot, but now we've got a lot more detail. Yes, uh, coming coming out on season two, uh, which will be in a few weeks, um, and it is interesting, very interesting. They haven't shown mm. anything in work at the moment, but they they gave us the the overall look of what it is. Uh, dynamic weather. Uh, with dynamic wet lines so it uh, interacts very well with their dynamic track uh it's more like of a physical phase of physical based approach it kind of seems than it is generally a shader's approach that tends to be the norm it will have puddles and all of that they also had because of it to change a little bit of their graphics structure to to better match the the graphics needed for rain and yet i think it's going to be interesting I, I really want to see how those those tires are going to work. The mm. dry tires they have are going to work in the wet because iRacing has been known for a long time to be called ice racing. Mm. Uh, 
now that's so make, some... making that even even and why is that slipperier slipperier yeah <laughs> because you skid <laughs> yeah it is a uh, do you know what dun. i racing is is one of those games where it's 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 kind of like uh it's it's that it's that kind of you know the the analogy between skiing and snowboarding if you've ever been skiing and snowboarding skiing is no. is quite easy to pick up but it's very hard to get good at I where snowboarding is quite hard to pick up <laughs> oh okay right right well hang on for, for the purposes of I've my snowboarding just, just and me hit the mix. believe button <laughs> <laughs> okay well there you go you're you're an anomaly you're the I exception am. that proves the rule but god's sake george i'm sorry <laughs> ruined it <laughs> anyway the point is i racing is quite tough to pick up i think especially at the beginning like even the mm -hmm. mazdas i remember the mazdas like the first time i went on i racing be like i it took me hours to be able to string three four five laps together without spinning losing control on i racing so yeah. but once you get it once you get it right and you start to string those laps together it feels so so rewarding um but yeah. you've really got to kind of get over the crest if you like of that like struggle curve let's call it for me it's always yeah. been awkward <laughs> no matter how many laps i i put into I, it but it's getting it's it has been getting better since the last couple of years they changed something everybody was saying oh this is really good into something and that is not what the iRacing had before mm. which is yeah, apparently a, better it's you a me time it took me time to adapt to it. I mean, when the Mazda's mm. my first start, I remember my first day on iRacing, like it was yesterday, very painful. I'll have to be mm. honest, it took some time for me to get adjusted to it. Uh, I, I think the real mm -hmm. defining moment, I think for me, was the F4 cars. Um, that, for me, was yes. perfect. Uh, I, I jumped into that and I mm. you know, managed to get started. But yeah, Mazda's can be a little bit of fun. But I think they're the perfect car to start in because if you can ace that, then... It gives you a good foundation for everything else. Skip barbers yes. for life. I love the skip barbers, but they are tough though. The skip bar barbers are not easy to to drive. I love no. them. I think that's the, tricky. The, the, the car that I've used the most. I've now kind of, I won't say graduated, but I've transitioned across to the F3, and I'm absolutely loving the F3 uh, series. I did Sebring last week for the first time. Uh, I've never actually raced Sebring ever. Um, I'm actually going to Sebring uh, in a few weeks' time, which I'm very excited about. So I was glad to get a week of, uh, of iRacing in the F3 car. That this week cool. at Zandvoort, it's just brilliant. Speaking of F3, there was some cool news about the latest chassis that they're adopting in iRacing as well, right? Because they're bringing in the, uh, okay. the Dallara 320, which is a Euro Formula chassis, which I'm uh, obviously that's a series uh. I commentate on at the moment, or have done for the last few years. So um, interesting. I'm I'm quite excited about that because they always had the older Delara chassis uh, of old, but they now have the new three three two four. Yeah. Oh, okay. So they've got new cars releasing the Delara three two four bracket Super Formula Lights. That's the one. Uh, is coming out. So I wonder if that will replace the F three that they're using in the F three season at the moment. Because if it does, I've just just had my livery done for it which will be very oh, frustrating no. if i, have to I get might have just one. upset you i've just ruined your day tom i'm sorry no no <laughs> okay well if you've ruined my day uh i racing has put it back together uh by <laughs> splitting the road license that was the most yeah. clunky segue i've ever done on this podcast but we'll stick with it Fantastic um, news. so i racing has done something which do you know what right do you know what i really liked about this is they announced this and it was announced to basically universal praise everybody saying oh 
an update that changes the fundamentals of the licensing system on iRacing. Like you could imagine the fear when they did that of it just people kicking off and being like, this is rubbish. Like, why would you do this? If it's not broken, don't fix it, blah, 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 blah. But they've split the the license system. So for those who don't know, on uh, on iRacing, you have various different uh, licenses. You have road, uh, you have oval, you have dirt, and there's a fourth one, isn't there? Dirt oval. The fourth one is. Dirt oval. Okay, that's it. So you've got dirt oval, dirt oval road. Uh, there's four. Now there's five. They've split mm. road into sports car and formula. And I love that. Being, as I've Me just too. said, an F3 guy, I just, I, I, I get on so well with the formula cars. And I always did the um, the Formula V, the Skip Barber, the 2.5, and now the 3. Um, but I, I, you know, I cannot, for example, get on with the Porsche in, in the Pest series, right? I, I just does. struggle so much with that car. So the idea of splitting those two licenses is great because then if I then decide, you know what, I'm going to give GT cars a go in iRacing, I don't have to worry about ruining the license that I've built up over time in the Formula, in the formula rating. I wonder how is this this going to work if they're going to take your your history of it and then do an ELO mm. averaging or whatever because you know a lot of people do grind their road ELO by sometimes going to Formula Threes and Formula Fours so they can have top splits in GT Threes and GTPs and MSS. Interesting. So this, the, I think I think the fundamentals. I, th I think also we, we, we look at those cars and, and, and they do drive differently, you know, obviously. They do. And, 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 you, and you race differently as well. You, you don't race in a GT3 the same way as you would in a, in a Formula car because obviously in single seaters you can't afford to be that aggressive generally. Uh, I mean, you, you, you know, you're, yep. you're, you, can, you can very easily cause carnage if you were to drive a, an F4 like you drive a GT3. You can you could afford to rub... Uh, you know, in many ways, if you if you're driving a GT3 car, you know, and I, and I think they had no choice. I think it's the uh, probably a decision that's been long in the in the making. I would say because you yeah you that do, was the consensus yeah, online. Yeah, yeah. I think I think really it should have probably happened a long time ago. But it's great that it's happened now. Um, they've obviously seen the benefits, and I think obviously the community, given their responses, you so rightly say, Tom, they obviously they're obviously jumping all over it for for a very good reason. Mm. It's one of those yeah, decisions 100%. they have uh, that if they if they didn't do it, nobody would really care much. They would say, "Yeah, something is could be changed," but now they're it's coming. It's actually a really good decision. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. It was kind of nice to see. It is. It was. It was refreshing to see an update from something as scrutinized as iRacing and just not have to see people piling in with negative comments. I, 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 I it really made me smile. Uh, finally. One more thing to talk about iRacing before we very briefly touch on uh, Forza. Um, iRacing have announced that they have got a new UI coming, and yep. it looks incredible. It looks a bit like uh, Race Labs. Um, yeah, and why shouldn't it? Because Race Labs is fantastic. But I love the clean look and feel of this new uh, iRacing UI, both in menu and in game. So some of the uh, the black boxes that you have in game. Mm. They've always. They, I mean, that they looked a bit old and tired, but that was fine because you know they're just doing it. You just need to see the numbers, right? And you could understand them, and that was that was fine. But now they've kind of given them their, a refreshed look. Why the hell not? I racing are absolutely flying. It's. Um, I would say. I would argue that they they've probably been waiting. 
for this moment. They've been very careful not to say too much. There's been a lot mm. of, you know, talk of delays with the whole rain scenario. Like, I don't think anyone really predicted it was going to come out as soon as it de- as soon as it had done because everything we'd heard up to now has been kind of, well, you're going to have to wait, guys. You're going to have to, you know, there's going to be delays. Like, I think people off the back of what we had experienced probably didn't expect to see that for months, maybe even a year down the line. But now that we're sort of hearing now that it's coming out imminently, I think they were just waiting for the right moment mm. to kind of hit the public with everything and try and, uh, you know, yeah. they, they really buoyanced off the off the response i think and obviously they've come under a lot of should we say battles i think obviously with the fact that wrench sport have now entered the market there's other competitors other people now flying in looking to try and challenge should we say their their plot should we say i think they're trying mm. to kind of say make a statement right we're, we're improving we're making we're making some big changes yeah and they are they are definitely uh, making waves. So finally, Forza Motorsport. Now the story this is this, it's not really a story. It's not it's not even a new track, right? But they've just updated the Nordschleife. Um And you know, whenever you read the stories, it, it's it's like you know Forza Motorsports Nordschleife has been it hasn't been that good, and it's you know people have been complaining, and it's you know it's not the quality of the other games Nordschleifers and. And finally, as if it's this huge moment in the game's history, it's done an update to, to the Nordschleife and it now looks and feels how it should and the combined layout is available and blah, 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 blah. I guess my question to you guys is not what you think of there being, you know, a relatively minor update to the Forza Motorsport game, but why do we all care so much about Nordschleife in sim racing? I've, I very rarely see people racing it. Because it's 25 euros a lap or 30 30- so <laughs> <laughs> uh, like sure that that's it that's basically it everybody wants to go there you know so yeah, it's it's it's, virtually it's, you can do it. it's a challenge though isn't it ricardo i would say i i mm. think as well yeah i i think you you look at it it's like when people do mount panorama or mount, mount is it mount panorama, mount panorama yeah mount panorama when you when you go yeah, to yeah. Bathurst, yeah. Yeah. you know when when you when you take on that challenge it's a very tricky circuit, exactly the same as taking on Circuit de la Sarthe as well, in many ways. You know, doing the Le Mans mm. in real life is considered a real stern test. Um, you know, if yeah. you can tackle the Nordschleife, you are considered a king amongst men, you know, if you if you do that in sim racing. Um, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think this is why people try to harness it, because it's it's one of the first videos you'll see on anyone's YouTube channel. You know, we we tackle yeah, the Nordschleife. You know, so it's it, it's kind of a statement. <laughs> it's a flex, yeah. I would say. It's it's the biggest flex in sim racing. Mm. Because it must cost them. It must cost the studios so much. Well, it, it obviously costs the studios much more to to kind of get their Nordschleife right than does any other track, right? Because it's just so much longer, right? That you know, it's it's just it's basic maths. Um, but you're right. I hadn't really considered that because it kind of sits separately to the other tracks because it's so different it's so windy it's so challenging it's kind of like it's old school the norsch right here's a here's a here's a take the norschleifer is the takeshi's castle of sim racing <laughs> that's true that is so good yeah do you know what i mean yeah. it's like it's almost yeah, yeah, like a yeah, side yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a side it's a side mission in our in yeah. our sim racing lives is to yeah. master the norschleifer <laughs> yeah and i tell you what as well if the actual okay, constant well, 
the constant respawning and restart when you do try and do it as well is like stepping stones. Mm. You keep going back, you keep falling in the water, but you keep getting back that up and true. going again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a bit further each time. Well, on that note, uh, all I have to say is uh, goodbye to you two. And for our listeners, uh, we're about to dive into what was, I'm going to say, it, one of my favorite interviews on the podcast. Uh, I interviewed uh, yesterday. Uh, Mr. Darren Cox. Darren Cox, you, everybody listening to this show, I would bet my mortgage on it, knows his work. Okay, has 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 seen or or been involved in some way with 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 one of his crazy ideas. Um, obviously, he's he's kind of risen to fame more generally recently through the Gran Turismo film. Uh, he was the founder creator of GT Academy, world's fastest gamer. Um, and was played by Orlando Bloom in the recent Gran Turismo film. He was absolutely everything you would expect someone with his track record to be like. He was just creative, energetic, loved diving deep into into conversation about sim racing, online racing, motorsport. Uh, he tells some really interesting stories about his um, his humble yet incredibly relevant upbringing. Um, in the in the world of um of motorsport um discussed his hate for corporating uh when he worked at nissan uh it was just it was absolutely everything that i thought that that podcast was going to be and and actually we only really start talking about the gran turismo film right at the end because the guy is so interesting going through his life in chronological order took a long time and this is one of our longer episodes uh i think it was about an hour and 20 hour and 30 but every single minute was just so much fun. And right at the end, we solved sim racing. He started asking me some questions and we have solved the question of sim racing, okay? So it's a great episode to listen to. Thank you everyone for the questions that you sent in and enjoy. Whoa, Tom, before we get into the episode, we need to show them GridFinder. Guys, if you haven't checked it out, please check out GridFinder. You can browse from over 1,000 leagues or communities or even start your own. We have a complete league management system built into our website. We even have loads of cool features like custom championships, single races, time trials, and a race attendance system. We even have cool features like a split and tier management system, as well as something coming up very soon, a driver rating and penalty point system. Anyway, enough of me talking. I know you guys know where to go. Please go check out and sign up to GridFinder for free and find your new racing league to be a part of. Now enjoy the episode. Darren, welcome to the Sim Sundays podcast. It's an absolute pleasure honor to have you on the show how are you excellent i'm uh, looking forward to the next however long we've got to talk about sim racing well good so am i so am i it's interesting actually a lot of a lot of people that we've uh, we've had on the show afterwards will be like oh tell you what that was a bit like a bit like therapy we go we, we go deep into the into the the human soul on this show so you know don't panic Everything I, will be I, I, well, I'm probably um, you know dragging up your average age of people that you've had on this show. So I've you know I'm I'm you know maybe a bit further on in my therapy than some of your uh, uh, other um, uh, uh, podcasters. If we remove the esports drivers, then maybe not. I mean, we've had we've had Dave Cam on the show. I don't know if you know Dave Cam, mm. but the guy is the guy is famously old. But anyway, 
Well, well, that's about. As long, about as, long as I'm not, um, uh, you know, famously old. If as long as that's not the strap line, Darren Cox, famously old. Well, Fam I mean, look at that beard. I was just looking at it. I've got grayer suddenly. Silver fox, sir. Silver fox. Mm. So, every single person listening to our podcast, guaranteed, I'll put my mortgage on it, that they know your work, but they don't necessarily know you. So that's what I'd like to dive into some would have seen a portrayal of you in the Gran Turismo film which we'll we'll come on to but they don't necessarily know you and you have built so much of what sim racing is today um you've built what ended up being the catalyst for a lot of the success that sim racing has seen in the last few years so I'd like to start by diving all the way back to when this started, when Darren Cox became interested in motorsport racing um, and and then ultimately sim racing and, and gaming. So I'm going to start with a real cliche podcast question, which is what is your earliest memory of getting excited about motorsport? Um, I've actually started writing a book. <laughs> and and the, 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 the second chapter, obviously the first chapter is uh, mentioning about the film because that's obviously what the publishers want. But the second chapter is uh, is a quote from David Copperfield about actually no one really cares about what your background is, so get it over nice and short. So I, I've done this this chapter, which is probably a page long when it's written out, which is a very short summary of, of my childhood because David Copperfield said actually no one's really that interested. Uh, I, I'll try and remember the quote. But, um, I mean, basically to answer your first question, how did I get into motorsport, probably... As I was born, you know, my dad was a massive motorsport fan. Um, he uh, was in, always involved in the automotive industry, if I can put it like that. Um, you know, he always had a desire to race. He did race when, you know, uh, me and my brother were, um, you know, young and then later on a, a little bit older. So, you know, when I was five, he was at uh, Wimbledon Stadium, which is an oval track in, in the UK or used to be. And, and came third in the British Championships in in uh, you know one of the classes there. Um, you know, there's a picture in uh, I'm in my office here in my uh, office toilet of him on the on the podium um, at, at that race. My brother was in a push chair and I was five, so you know that sort of age really. Um, and he was always doing things in in the automotive world. Uh, he was a stunt driver for the Saint, for example, the the TV show, um, and he was in you know old army recreations driving tanks and you know, so we had these, these stories you know i remember one day he came home come and have a look in this back of the trailer son he's got a range rover with a covered trailer on the back and in the back said xjr 12 le mans car i mean it's, so that's where you know that that's that's the way i grew up we, we, we would he was driving he was working for british leyland the press department and he would go up and down the m1 you know delivering jaguars and you know, all, all the new Austin Rovers or whatever they were at the time. One day I was with him, what day of school, whatever, holidays. He said, oh, we're, we're popping to Silverstone, you know, drive off the M1, which wasn't popping back then because the A43 hadn't been built um, in its current form. We went there and again, you know, TWR were there with the, the Jaguar Le Mans cars, but also I think it was Brabham were there testing. We were just wandering through the pit lane, right, you know, back in when you could do that sort of thing. It wasn't, you know, um, locked down um as, as f1 is today so just those sort of memories really him racing him involved you know he going off to le mans 
with his friends. I remember, you know, I probably was only about nine or ten at the time, like trying my eyes out that why couldn't I go with him and these mates to to this jolly jape that was called Le Mans. Um, so yeah, that I mean, by osmosis, I mean, how could you not in, in, enjoy motorsport? And you know, the other side of it, I'm I'm one of two. My brother's five years younger than me. You know, he's worked for, you know, he's won the World Touring Car Championship as a as a mechanic. Went into Formula One. He's worked from Williams, Mercedes. He's now at Red Bull. So, yeah, it's sort of in our DNA. Um, and, and I had a mum as well. She hated motor racing. So, <laughs> a well balanced childhood. I mean, you you were clearly exposed to a, an unusual amount of iconic motorsport, and probably around a lot of the people who were responsible for the success and or failures um, in, in, the, in that kind of like iconic period of motorsport. Would you say it was inevitable, based on how exposed to all that you were, that you've ended up doing and creating and building what you have done and created and built? I think it was inevitable, but not for the reasons you've just said. So I just painted... Uh, you know, a, a Hollywood-esque picture of, of my childhood. But actually, you know, my dad was on the periphery. You know, he wasn't involved in motorsport to that extent. He was racing, of course, but, you know, he, he was um, you know, not a, a high level at all. Um, to the extent that I, I absolutely had a glass ceiling. I, I had no thought that I could ever make a living out of motorsport, out of being in Formula One. Now, my wife um, was interested in Formula One. She watched it with her dad on on a on a Sunday afternoon with Murray Walker commentating. I thought, well, that looks great. And then you get to travel the world. And and you know, she got a brilliant degree in in French and English, and was a fantastic writer. And ended up working in PR in Formula One because she didn't know. Well, she well, she knew better than I. In fact, I thought it was really difficult to get into Formula One. There's no way I'm ever getting into Formula One. So I didn't bother trying. So you know, I, you know, my dad only his only opportunity he was offered a job with with Dunlop right at the um, or Goodyear, sorry, right at the beginning of his his career uh, to go and be a you know tire technician, and that could have been completely different. But he never worked actually in the motorsport, if you see what I mean. It's always on the on the periphery. So I thought it was just too bloody difficult to get in. So when I left university, I knew that I wanted to go and work for a car company, but there was never any thought that I would be lucky enough to earn a living out of out of motor racing. So no, I, I'm, um, you know, I mean, I, I started and, and the, the film actually we haven't touched on the film, but the films and this part was was true. I was working my first job out of university was working um, for Renault Finance in the collections department. I literally was phoning people up who hadn't paid their car loans and asking them for the money. Right? I mean that. You can't get any lower. In the automotive industry, <laughs> I started at the bottom. Well, actually, when I was 13, I started working in the motor spare shop, you know, selling, uh, which which don't exist today. So those of you that are listening that are probably under the age of 40 don't remember your dad on a Saturday morning changing the plugs and points and air filter and oil filter on their, on their Ford Cortina. But that's what happened. <laughs> so I worked in I worked in the motor spare shop um, from the age of 13, sweeping the floors and making extraordinary amounts of tea, which is seen, seemingly how... British industry uh, went in mm. the uh, in the eighties um, and and was built. So Quite right yeah, it, I I really did draw you know and and this sort of uh, this picture of yeah it was inevitable I was going to be in in motorsport. It absolutely wasn't. You know uh, my first 
motorsport job, official motorsport job, wasn't until I was at Renault Nissan for 20 years. The, the first time I had motorsport in my job title was three years from the end. So 17 years in. So I've mm. worked for 17 years in a car company and I never had motorsport in my job title. And then, you know, I was I was global head of motorsport for, for Nissan Nismo um, and running all the programs and everything. So nice. But, you know, before that, it was... It, it was a slog to get to that point. And I was, again, like my dad, I was on the periphery. You know, I was marketing sports cars in the UK, but absolutely no chance of doing anything on, on motorsport. And, um, you know, a, a overused word these days, but I had to grind at it. I absolutely had to grind at it. And in retrospect, why didn't I just go and, you know, apply to sweep the floors at, 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 um, at Williams or, or something mm. rather than, um, you know, uh, going into what I knew I had to start at the bottom in a car company to work up, why wouldn't I just go and do that in, in motorsport? But, um, you know, you live and learn, right? It sounds like your approach right at the, the start was you were going to be, you were going to throw yourself into automotive, let's say, yeah, versus, versus motorsport at all costs, yes. at all costs. And the cost was working in the, the, the finance collections department at Renault, which, which is which is a great story so did your I'm trying to work out where the the passion uh was born was it born in a love for cars or was it born in a love for motorsport because you were surrounded by motorsport but like you say you went and worked at Renault in the finance uh collection department and then you worked in automotive rather than sweeping the floors at, at williams as you've said well, I, I just i really didn't it is that that phrase glass ceiling i just didn't think i didn't mm. even consider going to work in motorsport it wasn't even a consideration i didn't think i'd have the chance what you actually earn money you know let's remember this is before the internet right i mean you know <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't google you know jobs in motorsport you mm. genuinely you you probably had to know someone or be introduced or live up the road or you know it, it, yeah i mean stupid right I, can i go back and start again you know maybe maybe i'll be running a running a you know i don't know what i'd be running but i don't, i just don't know you know i can't even com- contemplate that sliding doors but it was a love for motorsport you know and and but cars and car culture you know, uh, I don't know how many times I've watched the Italian job or, um, you know, Cannibal Run or you know, anything that was to do with, with, with cars um, in, in, in that era, I would I would consume. Um, but mainly mainly motorsport. And it wasn't just F1, right? Uh, you know, rallycross, touring cars, sports cars. I talked about Le Mans. So it wasn't, you know, now it seems that, you know, Formula One dominates... Um, everything that's motorsport. And if you're not a Formula 1 fan, well, what? Le Mans, what? Oh, yeah, Nico Hulkenberg won that one year. He's a Formula 1 fan. <laughs> you know, he's that, right? But but mm. back then, you know, touring cars on the TV, you know, Sunday afternoons. Rallycross was live from Brands Hatch uh, for the Grand Prix uh, in December. Um, you know, Bathurst was 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 on BBC TV, the, the, the 1,000 Ks. Uh, it just doesn't happen now, right? Um, so... It was a very different. It was a very different world, and I, I consumed from a from a. It was mainly motorsport, but car culture generally, and and I just didn't think I could get a job in motorsport. So the next best thing was go and work at a car company, see what happens. Interesting. Again, at all costs, putting yourself yep. kind Absolutely. of within that within that family. And I guess to be honest with you, you can't really separate in any meaningful way um, 
car culture and sports cars and automotive from motorsport they're just too intrinsically linked to say that one is one and the other is and they're, they're, they're distant cousins that they're not that they're almost like it's a, a two-faced feast isn't it it's the same it shares that same dna it's almost impossible to pry the two apart um it, it with any kind of significance to say that well i'm a motorsports guy rather than a car guy or a car guy rather mm, than a I, car. I, I i don't know uh, you know there's plenty of people that have got nice old classic cars that wouldn't even contemplate going to a motor race and you know, I remember one of the first sort of the early days of um, you know, Instagram when my daughters, um, who had been in their teens at the time, you know, when Instagram was really becoming a thing. And um, one of my daughters says, well, why, aren't we, why aren't we going to Goodwood today? And we lived near there at the time in Winchester. I said, well, what? there's no racing. There's not Fist for the Speed or it's not the Revival. Why would we go there? I said, I don't know. Half, my, half the boys in my class are there. At this event this Sunday, and it was Supercar Sunday, right? They had no interest, absolutely no interest in going to the Revival or to the Best of Speed. They were there because there was a bunch of Lamborghinis that they could get on their Instagram. Right? So, so I do think there's a mm-hmm. there's a difference. But what's interesting, and I was just just on a call um, this this morning with someone who, um, you know, massive car collector, never really got into motorsports, started doing track days, and you know, it's it's the gateway drug, right? And then suddenly. They're in, they're in, and it's all about motorsport, and they mm-hmm. want to go to the F1, they want to be in the paddock, they want to have a sports car team. So, yeah, uh, for some people, the Venn diagram, you know, is right in the middle, is is absolutely everything. You know, they will consume every single magazine about them, the latest GT2. They'll want to go to watch every F1 race. They'll want to, you know, uh, go to the, the Revival. Uh, some people, it's just like, no, just like motor racing. Yeah, it's like... It's like Formula One. I like the glamour. I like Carlos Sainz, whatever it might be today. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and by the way, let's not be get pick, Do what you want, right? I mean, I'm not a car guy. If you park to 911 outside, some people go, oh, that's the 996. That's the one that's got the... Th- I, really? I think it looks nice. And is it... Yeah, it's quick. What's it like on a track day? That would be my question. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you just buy, you know, a cheaper road car and go racing instead? So everyone's fandom is different. And I think there's a lot, you know, especially online these days of people judging other people's fandom or or passion just let people do what they want to do right yeah that's so interesting that's so interesting i i'm, I'm very similar in that i uh, i'm not a spotter in the sense that i couldn't look at a car and be like oh that's the one with the engine from the this from this year mm. like that, that's that's not really me yeah, I, me and my brother call them polishers but that's okay <laughs> but it, it, and i had the same uh, approach um, to you is that i would far rather go and spend twelve thousand pounds on a mazda that i can take around donnington or, or cadwell have a lot of fun in right I don't know. There's something. There's something about that shared DNA between people that love motorsports, watching cars, and those um, who are who are big into car culture. And you kind of just summed it up there when you said that there's some somebody you speak to this morning who drives sports cars. That as soon as you got on the track, all of a sudden understood the kind of the why, felt the heart of the thing. You know, why do we build fast cars? Well, you can take it out on a track, and all of a sudden you can you feel it, and you go, ah, now I get it. Now I get what this is all about. Um, I, I, I kind of most of the the questions that I've queued up um, are, are really about. There were some of, questions. People actually bothered to ask questions. That's good. We got a lot of questions. We got a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Some of, some are mine, but most of them have come in from people that follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or, or people that are in our Discord. And um, obviously, when we announced that you were coming on the show, we were 
inundated the questions, so I kind of peppered them in, and I'm going to quote them. Very kind of you to say so, even if it's not true. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, they're all from me, and I just had to come up with these different names. People, different <laughs> with different tags. names. Oh, yeah. 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 So Dave from uh, uh, the game. Uh, yeah. yeah. There's the game. So I wanted, so a lot of the questions, uh, understandably, they're about the, the film and about um, GT Academy, but I don't really want to skip across the 20 years where you worked in automotive because something that that strikes well, me we, we, we can't because the the idea for gt academy was nearly 20 years ago precisely 2005 2005 i should find out the date i should find out the exact date and i should have a well that's 19 years this year of course um but yeah maybe next year we should have a celebration uh, of an anniversary years of the idea you absolutely you absolutely should <laughs> well i'm not but of course i'm not the only one that had that idea many 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 people had that idea before and and since since but it's not it's not about just the idea it's about making it work using that word again grind and you know anyway we can get into that so yes and, and that, 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 that well one one thing you know when people talk about how do you get into my first memory of of i mean I, you know again a lot of your your listeners will um you know, not even that has to Google this stuff. You know, I we, we played racing games on you know uh, Spectrums and Acorn Electrons and Commodore sixty fours, right? But actually, my and mainly I was shooting up games at that point on on at home. My earliest memory of let's call it digital racing or sim racing, absolutely not sim racing, was uh, Daytona, the arcade machine. Mm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, going to yeah uh, London. I lived just outside London, uh, going to London and going to the Trocadero as it was then, you know, putting my probably, it was probably 50B <laughs> uh, and, and racing against my mates on, on Daytona. Absolutely. I mean, just the best to the extent I'm very lucky. I've actually got a twin uh, set of no uh, Daytona arcade machines, That's yes, very so, cool. uh, which I'm very lucky uh, to, to have, but that was my, my, that was my initial thing, right? Now, talk about car culture. It was that, you know, just going into London playing on an arcade machine and not playing on Street Fighter, but playing on, on, on Daytona. But, but what were the tire models like? What was the, what was the wear, the degradation? Uh, that's, what, that's, what we need. that's what we need to know about Daytona. I want to know the physics model behind it. Anyone that played it knows it's just, just changed down <laughs> to the last corner. Changed down once from the last corner back up again. That's it. On the oval. So something that, that, that strikes me about your, your career is and especially in in you know in in recent years is that there's an intensely fierce element of entrepreneurship about everything that you do there's a real um there's a real drive for innovation there's like a like a hunger to do something people haven't done before now you worked 20 years um in automotive and and, and at, at Nissan is is was there something that you were involved in? Is it was there something going on that kind of um, nurtured that that spirit, or had it always been there? That, that's what I'm going to have to do, Tom, is send you a load of pictures from around my office because I don't want to move the the camera. But in the office was the um, phrase we used for the Delta Wing, which was uh, the greatest pleasure in life is doing what other people cannot do. Mm. What other people tell you you cannot do. It's, it's right. Like, it's another one in my downstairs, or not in my downstairs, in my <laughs> office toilet, right? So, um, you know, and next to me here, which again, I'm, I'll take a picture of and, and send it to you, is 
a, a picture of my my dad's um, my dad's racing car, his mini that he he, he raced in. Um, you know, and and all around the bits. I've got a, for some strange reason. I've got the rear wing of a GT3 GTR uh, there. So yeah. And if anyone can read, I oh, know it's not in shot. That's good. There's something. There's nothing motorsport related. There's some words from a um, uh, a very famous song there, which uh, my wife keeps telling me to take down in case I have visitors in the office. Um, which has got some exceedingly rude words in there from um, Rage Against the Machine. So um, nice. I, maybe I could tell you off camera those words. Send, send, send me all of these and we'll put them in the okay, Well, there we go. We will. But um, <laughs> I don't know is the answer. And only recently. What's been brilliant about the film is, um, and I am going to answer your question at some point, um, <laughs> what's been brilliant right. about the film is is the opportunity to, to have a retrospective, to think, mm. to, to reconnect with people, that were involved to think about what we did to to you know people asking me questions about how we did it but not just gt academy but some other projects as well i posted yes, uh, uh, the weekend about the lmp1 le mans project because it was super bowl we made you know i forgot we made a super bowl ad right i mean what but you because you, you've I, stolen I, I, the question i don't i don't under, i don't under i i don't i just i i think it's i, I just thought it was normal i thought everyone was doing that right i thought you know, and I say to my daughters, and of course they absolutely hate me for it because they don't want advice from their dad, do they? And especially when, you know, at six o'clock in the morning when I wake up and I see a brilliant Instagram post about some you know, absolutely ridiculous motivational quote and I send it to them. I mean, like, whatever. But <laughs> um, it is, it, it's just that, yeah, no, you, you described it. I, I don't know, where, I genuinely don't know where it comes from. You know, my, my mum was a nursery school teacher. My dad was I described his life as very, you know, um, uh, glamorous, but it absolutely wasn't, right? He was just driving cars. He just so happened to be, you know, Jaguar XJS with the Saint logo on the front, which, by the way, once he did pick me up from school in. So that very that, cool. That one day I was oh, good in, in school, right? And I pretended had a fake mobile phone in it, so I, I, I answered that <laughs> and pretended to be on the phone. Um, I just don't know, right? I, I, I just that that. And it it wasn't just when I was at work um, about motorsport. Um, it was about everything I tried to do. And I, and I say, you know, I was always the first one in. I mean, here's an example: the, the motor spare shop. So the guy that owned it and, and his dad, you know, they they were in charge. And the dad was, I mean, he seemed like ancient. He was probably like not much older than I am now. But he looked, you know, in that era, everyone looked older, didn't they? Everyone on yeah. the television looked older. <laughs> um, and you know, he would get in. My 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 hours were 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 nine o'clock, right? And he would get in at half past eight. So he'd be in, and every time I turn up, I turn up at five to nine, right? and he'd say, "Oh, have a lie in, Junior." Right? Okay. <laughs> I so I got in at half past eight, and it, the next there's no word about it. The next Saturday, he and I knew he he you know we walked in together. It was a half past eight. Okay. The next Saturday, he's there before me. Right, so okay. It was so happening Thursday, I get there at twenty past eight, right? <laughs> and I'm there before him, and and that's just how I. I don't know why. At school, I was so lazy. I was the laziest kid at school. I mean, I loved school. Absolutely loved it. Mm. Fantastic. It was brilliant. Like big social club. But I was so lazy. But as soon as I got to work, when I was thirteen, I wanted to be the best at sweeping the floor. I wanted to have the cleanest shelves. I wanted to sell more spark plugs than the guy that was there full time i mean that's just mm. i don't know i i genuinely don't know what that is um and and that carried on and i i remember i did a spreadsheet when i was in the collect famous collections department i did a spreadsheet after my second week to show everyone that i collected more <laughs> uh or got more car loans paid than anyone else and i kept that and it pissed these people off they didn't care 
they were there to take some money, right? They do as little as possible. And I was there like two weeks in going, aha, <laughs> I'm beating you. So I don't know. I genuinely don't know. So whether it was sweeping the floors, whether it was collecting uh, money, you know, I, I did a stint at um, uh, Le Mans, my first um, uh, time at Le Mans. And I, I was working for Renault at the time. And uh, I was invited by one of the teams. And again, it sounds like I was lucked in, but, you know, I'd spoken to the right guy. I was networking. I was hustling. I was mm -hmm. making sure I understood who this guy was. And, and they um, they were a supplier of Renaults. And then, like, their owner was was running a Le Mans uh, car. So, you know, I showed this massive interest in what they were doing. They're like, why don't you come and work for us for a week? I'm like, oh, no, they weren't paying, right? Now, that, again, sounds glamorous, but guess what I was doing? I was, I'm not even joking, I was washing wheels. Right? I was the wheel washer at Le Mans. Now, at the time, I was doing okay at Renault. I was going up the, you know, uh, but they paid for my flight. They paid for my accommodation. Wasn't paid. Took a week off work, using my holiday allowance. And I, I washed the wheels. Yeah, that was good. And I said, what else he's doing? They're like, oh, no, don't worry. You're not really part of the team. You know, you're just, you're here because you're apparently on a bit of a jolly because you, know, you work at Renault. I'm like, no, 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 no. What else can I do? The truck needs washing. I started washing the truck. The guy that got me there, it was like, you know, I don't know, he was thinking I was going to influence Renault. He's like, we didn't wash the truck. I said, I'm a bit bored. I wanted to wash the truck. Ah, okay. All right. Next thing, I'm sweeping the fag butts up where the mechanics are. So I don't know. There wasn't a, you know, there wasn't my dad sent me down going, son, you know, you need to be in five minutes before everyone. You know, you need to, you know, make, if there's a job to do, don't know. No idea. DNA, whatever it is. But, um, there we are. So I, I I can't give you the magic formula. Just I was lucky, I guess, that I, I had that in me. But you but you're right. I, you know, I was called at, at, at Nissan, and at one point it was a positive, and at one point it was negative, depending on who, who was in charge. Was I was the entrepreneur in residence because I was always coming up with, okay, why don't we do this? Why don't we try that? And my old boss, who was the um, uh, like, I think he was chairman of of Nissan Europe in the end. He literally set up a department for me with ten people to go and do stuff, right? He said, I don't know what it is we're doing. We're going to call it the brand department. You're going to go and find stuff that we can do and help people do that stuff. Um, and then when, you know, the certain management left, it was from being the entrepreneur in residence, I was the entrepreneur in residence. So, you know, it, because, you know, places like Nissan, they don't like entrepreneurs right the people mm. that are now running this and that i was with the very very average as a guy he won't be listening so i can say it he was so average he did the same job as me he didn't piss anyone off he he, he literally said the right thing to the right people in the right meetings at the right time and he ended up cmo global cmo i'm like that average guy lovely lovely guy right lovely lo but that's how it works if you can corporate mm. right if you can be that corporate guy what have you Oh, hello, Daddy. What have you been doing at work today? I've been corporating. If you can do that in these big companies, I'm, that word, I'm, I'm trademarking that word. I've only just come up with it this week. My wife thinks it's ridiculous. But, um, yeah, if you can do that, you'll get on okay. But that just wasn't me, right? I had so many arguments with people that were corporating and, and trying to push forward to be innovative. And it wasn't just around motor racing. You know, we, we did some crazy shit that wasn't, that was automotive that I'm proud of that we, you know, weren't anything to do with uh, racing or gaming and they never get talked about because no one cares, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm just as proud, you know, we came up with a sponsorship strategy uh, called Nissan Sports Adventure in Europe, which was, which was at the same time Red Bull were coming up with their, um, you know, extreme sports strategy. We had a, we had a Nissan athlete team like Red Bull had 
stuff like that, right? I mean, so it wasn't just all um, you know racing and, and gaming, but um, that's what we're here to talk about. So yeah, that's that's where we are. Did it, how many questions did I answer there in that? Uh, well, monologue one, but that's that's that is totally fine. <laughs> this is going to be a long day. This is going to be a long day. Like- uh, you know, my, my question was, where did the entrepreneurship come from? And you no started idea. by saying you no didn't know, but I think we've worked it out. I think it's I think it's an inherent competitiveness, that, and that okay. which which, that, which yeah. requires innovation. And when you marry innovation with competitiveness, you end up with entrepreneurship. Is that that is probably how I would you know if I that was the answer I should have given instead of ranting <laughs> and doing a monologue for seven minutes. No, I I, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> um, so. Do you know what, right? This I, well, I wrote this question down beforehand, and I think I think now, given the last twenty minutes, it feels like a really daft question to ask. But I'm gonna ask it anyway, and I think I know the answer. Were you ever daunted by the scale of your own ambitions? I.e., everything that you've done has always been first in the world to do this. It's going to it's gonna be the biggest, if we're going to do it, it's on the global stage, the largest stage that is available. It's going to be totally different to what everyone else has done. Sod it, we're going to do it. Have you ever been like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And then management, Mr. Average signs off and says, yeah, you can do it. And then you're like, oh Christ. Okay, whoa. <laughs> Never c- contemplated that before. Never thought that that's what we did. Never. The only time... I have been I've been really pissed off when things didn't get signed off. I, I I can remember where I was when I was told that GT Academy wasn't signed off on each occasion. Um, the only time I've been nervous about something I did was standing in the pit lane in Dubai the first year. So that'd have been um, so we did it, it was 2009, January 2019. Uh, no, 2009. Jesus, okay, did that long ago. Um, and and Luke, you know, we 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 came up with a stupid idea game, put a game in a racing car, um, and he's done brilliantly, right, in the, in the, in his training. But then he's rolling out of the pit lane at Dubai, which is a bit different to rolling out of the pit lane at you know Cadwell Park or, or mm. um, Snetterton, um, amongst all these other you know fast cars, proper drivers. And I think, what have I done here? What have I done? You know, and and you know the 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 film portrays my effort in this space as a career booster for me, right? As a way to get up the, the corporate ladder. I was doing really well, right? I was okay. I was going to be, you know, at some point, you know, very senior, at least in Europe. Um, and I ended up being reasonably senior in Europe before I left, but um, it, I never used it as a career thing. It was, it was the right thing to do. Right. And, um, but that moment, so, so all these risks I was taking, I didn't really think of it. Just giving you the example of, of Mr. Corporate. Um, but that, that's how I like, and it wasn't because of my career. It was like, is this going to work? Is, mm. is, is he going to be? Is he going to be okay? So yeah, no. I, but I've never thought, you know, this is a world's first. It was just, this is a really good idea. Let's just crack on with it. 